This week on Honey, You Should Watch This, we watched 1939's Bachelor Mother. And apparently, if you worked in the toy department in 1939, all you did was sell Donald Ducks. holidays welcome to another episode of honey you should watch this and in the spirit of the holidays we watched a holiday adjacent movie i wouldn't call this a christmas movie but it is takes place during holidays so there you go bachelor mother what are holidays um well typically uh why why what (laughs) (laughs) i didn't stutter did i (laughs) How do you not know this? <laughs> I just, I want one day I'll get to experience and enjoy the holidays. Oh, this is his please pity me pitch, I believe. Nope. I get it. No I, pity. I get it now. No pity. I don't want your damn pity. <laughs> just your money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hello, everybody. Again, here we go. Here we go. Why'd you make me watch this? Why no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I did make you watch this is because um, it, was, it was selfish reasons I wanted to fit a holiday movie into our very busy schedule. Usually we have more time to watch uh, these older Christmas movies that we love so much. And uh, you're a hard guy to get time with lately. So, Oh, it's okay. Go. Don't Don't pity me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, um, yeah. This pretty much takes place right around Christmas and New Year's, doesn't it? I we begin our movie on on uh, December twenty fourth. December twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. So you want to give everybody the synopsis? Um, I will. Um, we do have a trailer. Um, we could probably play that, and then I can give you a synopsis and the rundown after that. All right, ladies and gentlemen trailer for the new movie that came out 80 years ago. (laughs) Look, Mr. Merlin, I'll tell you the truth. Your son put me up to this, and he's the father. Dad, this is the truth. He's the father. Wait a minute. I'm not the father. I don't care who the father is. I'm the grandfather. Because I'm the most important. He's the richest. David Niven. Charles Coburn. Grandfather by proxy. Frankie the Toolbag Albertson. Toolbag can dance, though. And he always gets to say he got to dance with Ginger Rogers. But a mother who's just deserted her baby going, that and alone in my memory is something revolting. Well, where'd it come from? Is it, uh, is it yours? I got it for Christmas. 
this Christmas or last Christmas? All right, so that was the trailer for Bachelor Mother. Yes, and I'll fill in the dead air. There was, yeah, there was a little bit of dead <laughs> air there. Um, let's let's address that real quick before we get into this movie. Let's just talk about the trailer for just a second. Okay. If you have the opportunity, pause this, and you can Google it on YouTube uh, for the trailer and watch it, and just the sheer difference of the trailers, the way they were then and the way they were now. It wasn't. I mean, there was no slick and stylized in about it. In a world. Yeah, in a world where, where some Rogers. guy has to dance. It was, they, they literally just took like three scenes from the movie, mm-hmm. played the three scenes from the movie, and then cut in little little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, uh, and then after that, it was like an opening for uh, the episode of the Beverly Hillbillies where they would just have, and guest starring E.E. E. Clive and Junior and... The, that was that was interesting, and you forget that the only place you saw that trailer was in the actual theater. Right, you didn't get to see that on TV back then. Twasn't any YouTube in the Depression era. Twasn't is that a Christmas word? Uh, well, I'm just sprinkling it in here and there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I just kind of liked having some music build up to to doing the summary. You know, after a while, kind of gets you know, same old, same old. So Bachelor Mother is a story about Polly Parrish, who is a retail sales clerk at J.B. Merlin and Sons. On December 24th, uh, she arrives at work to find out that her temporary employment will be ending that night. So out on her lunch break, looking for a new job, she sees an older woman uh, putting a baby on the doorstep of a foundling home. And after she argues with the woman to not leave the baby there, um, she grabs the baby thinking the baby's going to fall off the step and the woman of the foundling home opens the door, assumes she's the mother and she lets out her name and where she works before she realizes what's going on and hightails it out of there. Uh, the foundling home goes to David Merlin, who is played by David Niven, who is the playboy son of the store's owner, J.B. Merlin. Uh, he's sympathetic to the quote unquote unwed mother and arranges for her to have her job back so she can take care of her baby. So now with this baby foist upon her, she's got to figure out uh, what she's, you know, how she's going to continue to live her life with this baby. Luckily, she does have a landlady that is going to help her out. Um, But uh, David Niven decides that he is getting involved, and the two of them kind of get into a little romance there. But uh, it is definitely a story about... Mistaken maternity, mistaken paternity, and a complete and total comedy of errors. So, Greg, tell me, what did you think about Bachelor Mother? This movie sucked. <laughs> it was in black and white. There was not a single shot fired. There was not one swear word. <laughs> there was okay. a baby, so a shot there, must have been there fired. Was, there was no... <laughs> well done. There, was ab- there, was, there wasn't even a car chase in this movie. How yeah. is any grown man... Supposed- this is a very good movie. Yeah. It's 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 back when movies were what they were. They were dialogue driven. They were actor driven. They were story driven. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a it's a fun movie to watch. It's it's it it's a comedy. But when you if you watch this movie, you've never seen it before. Remember that comedies in 1940 were a lot different than comedies now. Uh, 
but I I wouldn't I would uh, you know what I'm I'm a little uh, disappointed that we didn't watch it twice. No, no, no I mean not really, but it was it's a it's, it was good. I liked it. This was Ginger Rogers' uh, first movie um, after she had uh, taken a hiatus from working with uh, Fred Astaire and doing the dance movies. But mm-hmm. of course, there are a couple dance scenes in this movie where she can kind of show off her chops. Well, um, I think that if you'd have had a movie with Ginger Rogers in it at that time and there had not been any dancing, there's probably quite a few people that would have been pissed. But she does get a good chance to kind of... She wanted to go for more dramatic roles, which she did a little bit later in her career. Um, but this is kind of was a nice little entry into it because she's great. She's just a great comedian. Um, I think she's just so charming in this movie. She went from doing uh, dance and musicals mm-hmm. to wanting to do more drama. So she went from one type of genre... That she was really good at into the drama. We call that pulling a Schwarzenegger. Pulling a Schwarzenegger. Yeah, because you do, like, he went from action movies to really, really good dramas. I, name one. Pulling a, you don't, I don't have to justify my comments. I just have to say them. Oh pulling, she pulled a Schwarzenegger. And I'm proud of her. It was hard for women to pull stuff off in, in the 1940s like that. I'm, I'm proud of her. She did a good she's, job. She's a feist. She was a, one of the feisty ladies of, of cinema in yes, that she day. Yes, she She really did ha- stand up for herself. And in fact, with this movie, she she did. There were a few things that she had some issues with, but she did her best, I think, to, to, to bring to this film what I think needed to be there. She she did really good. I couldn't picture anybody else in this role. She kind of stood up for herself in the movie. I just yeah. looked I just looked it up online. Pulling a Schwarzenegger to do exactly what Ginger Rogers did in 1940. Oh, Boom. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so And yes, I would watch Ford Fairlane again. <laughs> oh, what am I gonna do? Okay. Um so the first thing you can do is get this cat out from under the table that keeps hitting my feet with his claws. Otherwise, we're going to make a visit to the vet tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. I wouldn't hurt him on purpose. It will be strictly reflexive and reactionary when he rips the skin off my foot. <laughs> so I, I do love these old uh, comedies that have the really witty, fast, oh, snappy, snappy part. <laughs> <laughs> repartee between um, the characters. Um, and you can kind of get swept up in it. It is a cute little romance story. Um, I kind of think it's like a Cinderella story in which the baby is the fairy godmother. Uh, okay. And, you know, get in, get in the rich guy and the poor working girl together. Um, they were coming, you know, 1939 is one we were just coming out of the Depression. So, you know, have these little cute little fantasy going on but technically wouldn't the baby be the MacGuffin the baby's well I don't know if the baby's the MacGuffin or trying to prove that you are not mother slash father be the MacGuffin she that's that's a I just wanted to sound smart I, I, I it could be completely wrong I just wanted to use a word I've never um, I've never used on a podcast before you used MacGuffin before <sighs> no I used a McMuffin it's <laughs> a big difference <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Anywho. Um, it's late. I'm tired. I'm going to, it's going to be good. It's going to be goofy, folks. It's going to be goofy. So, back to what I was saying. Yeah, what were you saying? I, you know, I love these movies. I get swept up in them. And the next day, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready for work and putting on my makeup and, and starting to think about the movie. And then I'm like, 
damn, that was sexist. Damn, that really didn't fly. You know, and I'm, I think that they did a, a fairly good job in casting this movie um, with David Niven because at least he makes mansplaining sound charming. Um, okay. Because there's a lot of times in this movie that you've got gin, a lot of people telling Ginger Rogers um, how she must act or how she must behave or telling her, asking her if she's doing it right um, when she's taking care of the baby and things like that, which if you assume that this person was the actual mother of this child, uh, you know, why would you be asking that other than the fact that you think you're smarter because you have a book or a, something like that? So I you, think, go ahead. No, you go. Oh, I said, because I, I, I do have a clip of one of the mansplaining in right. there. Um, but it's, you know, you enjoy the movie while you're watching it, so that's the whole point. But I just think it's funny. All right, two, two things. I, I, I have two things there. Number one, anybody who's going to watch a movie from 1939 and get upset that something in it was sexist, not saying that's to be mean, but I mean, it was 1939. No, I was, I'm not saying I was upset. Was. I, mean, I know, I know you weren't. I know, you, I know you didn't say that. I'm saying anybody who does. Secondly, do you like, do you like the, the choice of David Niven in that role? Um, I do like the choice of David Niven. I do know that Cary Grant was up for that role initially. He wasn't up for it. They announced he would play the role. Right, and then he got cast in... Only Angels Have Wings. Which was... A not, not a very good film for... yeah. Lewis Hayward. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who that was. Mm-hmm. Was originally cast. After him, it was Cary Grant. And then just a few days later, it was James Allison. Mm-hmm. And then in January, it was Garson Kanan, who was in a movie called A Man to Remember. And then it was Douglas Fairbanks Jr., Swashbuckling Douglas yep. Fairbanks Jr. Yep. And then in March, RKO, RKO said Fairbanks would make The Sun Never Sets, and then the role would be played by David Niven, who was on loan from Sam Goldwyn, which was MGM, I, b- I believe. I think David Niven is perfect in that role because he he plays this playboy character with charm, but he's got a quietness about and a gentleness about his manner that makes it more empathetic and believable. Mm-hmm. I think if you had had Cary Grant coming in there with this Cary Grantness, and it it would it would have not played the same way. As much as I like Cary Grant, I I, I don't think he would have been a good he leading man for Ginger role. Rogers. He, um, I think David Niven is a very very good actor, as yes. he's proven time and time again, and uh, funny. And he funny is, well, in his the, way. Hello, yeah. the Pink Panther. Yeah, yeah. The original Pink Panther, he was... So, yes, I agree. I, I thought that... I mean, you know, you get what you get in those movies when you watch them. They overact. Of course they do. They had to at the time. And sometimes you're like, ah, oh, but I didn't, very, very well. I didn't find a whole lot of, of chewery scening. Scenery chewing. There we go. I, I the the in, in the this. in the clip that we're gonna we're gonna play. I found him to chew the scenery quite a bit. Um, that's not the clip that I want to talk about first. I, I wanna... didn't say we were going to talk oh, about it. Okay. I'm just saying in the clip All that right. we're going to play. Okay. Work with me here. Work with me, Jesus. I'm trying. <laughs> God, just it's Christmas. No, Christmas is can't, is ruined already. I had to watch. <laughs> I had to watch Bachelor Mother. Not only was none of those things that I mentioned. It's in black and white. How can anything in black and white be good? Black and white movies. Nothing wrong with black and white movies. Now, the clip that I wanted to set up was 
Um, so Ginger Rogers has to take this baby or she loses her job, which at the time is a, is a very relatable thing. Again, you've just come through the depression. Um, jobs were scarce. It was something that she, she needs her job to live. So she's got to take this baby. Um, so you're seeing the effects of it in this clip. You're seeing the effects of it. Um, after having the baby for a couple of nights uh, while she's at work. And along comes the ever-helpful David Dimon. Oh, we're going to play the clip? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Good morning. How are you? I can hear you, but I can't see you so good. I haven't been asleep for two nights. Why not? The baby's been crying. Well, why don't you have it sleep on its stomach? <laughs> I read that someplace. That's how they like to sleep. Uh, do you know how to get a baby to sleep on its stomach? You turn it on its stomach, and then you go to bed. And the baby turns over and starts to cry, and then you get up and turn the baby on its stomach and go back to bed. And then the baby starts to cry, and then you get up and turn the baby on its stomach, and pretty soon it's 9 o'clock and you're winding ducks. Don't any mothers sleep? I'm beginning to think they don't. Well, there can't be very much to it. After all, everybody here was a baby once, and they all got through it all right. <laughs> Thanks. I'll think of that. Oh, it's just a pose that all mothers put on, that it's so difficult to raise a child. I saw through that when I was six years old. Good luck. Spoken like someone who does not have a clue. You said that that was mansplaining. It was mansplaining. I thought that's when you, like, took care of the hair on your body. <laughs> That's manscaping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a he's a rich he's a rich playboy. He just you know doesn't ha- he doesn't have to work for his money because of daddy's store and he works though. I mean, they no, they, he they does, make him likable enough that he actually shows up at work. He shows up late, but yeah, because he's, he's been in jail all night. But I just I just meant that he's he's just that he's got that person that that character in the movie that no one ever argues with him because he is who he is. Oh right, yeah. right, and it's it's. Uh, I it's, said I said that wrong. Sorry. It's, no, it's it's the definition of you know Grace too that she doesn't want to completely clock him, but um, well, she needs pro- her job. She, yeah, she needs her job. Um, the one thing that I was thinking while he's saying, well, I saw that through that ruse when I was six and I'm thinking to myself, well, if your family was rich when you were six, that is, if your family was rich when you were six, you'd probably see through the ruse of the nanny because, you know, the mother would truly be saying. That's a good point. Yeah. It's easy for a mom to do it because she's got six other people doing all the work for her. Exactly. Exactly. So. He, it, it, it's such a, throughout this movie, you see him coming into the apartments of some of the people who work at the store, because um, he comes into Polly's apartment and he comes into Freddie's apartment yes. um, looking for him. And they both live in these like one room apartments. Like everything's in the, in the same room. Yep. And it, you would think, because it just doesn't dawn on him that this is so different from than from what he has. So he just doesn't he doesn't think to that and to just straight up, I'm going into your house. Yeah, literally, he does that. Doesn't he do that twice? I know he does it to her because she's out at the dance contest, and when and she he's comes got home, the baby, yeah. he's sitting in the living room. I mean, that'll get your ass shot today. <laughs> uh, so we do have some great characters in this these films. Freddie is one of them. Freddie's. Freddie's kind of a tool a, bag. A weasel. Weasel works too. Weasel, yeah. And he is um he is played by uh oh. 
lost my notes. He's played by Frank Albertson, who was also um, in It's a Wonderful Life. Hey-ho. Is that who he played? Yeah. He played mm-hmm. uh, Gotcha. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and so he's um, kind of this smarmy little floor quirk clerk that wants to be a, a floor walker head of the, the department kind of a thing. And he uh, he's hitting on, on Ginger and ask her to go to a, on a date with him so they can go to this dance contest so they could both win 50 bucks because they've got it rigged. And, of course, he's picking her up after dinner because he's cheap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so And broke. And broke. Um, but So they get a good dance scene in. Um, but, but when he shows up, the, the foundling home has already showed up to her apartment with her present from J.B. Merlin and Sons, which is her supposed to be her baby given back to her. And she, again, protests, this is not my baby, and... They give her a good scolding and tell her that she's they're not going to tell David Merlin about this because they don't want her to lose her job and not be able to feed the baby. And poor Ginger. I, I want to know in what world, at what point in time ever, would first place be a trophy and second place be 50 bucks? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people say that about this movie. Ever. <laughs> especially, especially then. Yeah. $50. Was a ton. That was probably a year's rent. I'm not sure what rent would be, but yeah. I, I bet you if you looked up, I bet you apartments were like $10 a month. So not a year's rent, but a $50 was rent. a lot of money back then. Yeah, yeah. And um, and, and, they, and they, that's why she just she agrees to go on the date with him because she think, at, at the time she does, she thinks she's lost her job, so she needs the money. She needs that $25. Um, the foundling home goes to David Merlin and pretty much says to him, you've got this unwed mother who's trying to give away her baby. So they call her to the office. She gets her job back. And, of course, the person from the foundling home, which she doesn't recognize, are like, what do you say, Miss Parrish? Again, that kind of, oh, my God. It's so... <laughs> the the people that work at the foundling home, um, they probably don't get a lot of babies dropped off to them because they were a bunch of pretentious putzes. <laughs> they, they, I, I, you know there what? was no baby to safe me, haven back yeah, then. To me, yeah. they were the villains of this movie because I, they, I didn't, they'd have gotten punched. They were both just asses, asses. If you're dropping the baby off, it's not like, oh, hey, I got a baby. Here you go. I'm going to go get high. I mean, it's obvious that somebody's having a a, a difficulty with it. And then you're going to, you're basically going to look down your nose at him the whole time. Yeah. It had to drive the story, though. So I'll let it slide. It does. It does. Um, And I I think about that because I was thinking about the fact that she gets that treatment pretty much throughout the, the first part of the film where people are telling her, you know, to say thank you and people are telling her to, you know, that you can't not accept this baby because you'll lose your job when she's not the baby's mother and there's just no way for her to prove it because no DNA test back then. But I think about that juxtaposed to, you know, a few episodes back when we did Rosemary's Baby when she's being told what to do all the time. And at least Ginger's got some spunk. Yeah, but she, she deserved it. <laughs> Rosemary? Yeah. 
How dare she stay <laughs> nope, at home? Nobody love, deserves that. How dare she stay at home, love her husband, and take care of him? Yeah. So I I think that I love the fact that she speaks kind of to use a an overused term, speaks truth to power sometimes with the David Niven character is basically questions him where he's not used to being questioned and challenges him where he's not used to being challenged. And um, the, the clip that we have um, that you referred to earlier is one of those times. And I think it's done so well and she's just so funny and, just cute in, in this in this scene. Okay, so we'll play this clip and then I'll talk about it. I have a duck here I want to exchange. Certainly, sir. What seems to be the trouble with it? It's broken. I can see that, but how did it happen to break? Well, I had it... What difference does it make? I must know where to place the responsibility. Well, just place the responsibility on the duck and give me a new one. Very well, sir. May I see the sail slip? Have you got the sail slip? Threw it away. You should have kept it. I threw it away. You should have kept it. How did I know the duck was going to break? How did I know the duck was going to break? It's printed clearly on the back of the slip that it must be kept for 30 days. Don't expect me to keep a sail slip for everything I buy. Don't expect me to keep a sail slip for everything I buy. House would be full of. House would be full of. Some silly. Silly. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I don't make the rules for the star. They're made by the executive office. Well, I don't care anything about the executive offices. I want a new duck. Well, you're not going to get it by shouting. I should say not. Or any other way. Uh-huh. That's what you think. I'm exchanging this for a new duck, and you can straighten it out any way you like. Can I help you, kid? Listen, wait a minute. Hey. Hey, look, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Hey. You can't take that. Hey, Mac. Shoplifter. Shoplifter. Oh, no, you don't. I saw you steal it. You can't get away with that. Oh, Mr. Merlin. Excuse me, Mr. Merlin. Here. All right, now, leave me alone. <clears throat> well, uh, gee, Mr. Merlin, I didn't know it was you. I thought it was a customer. A customer? Yes, sir. It's lucky for you it was me. A customer would sue the store. How long have you had this job? Well, you know. I know what? Well, you know, since yesterday. And what did you do before that? Well, I was a stock clerk. Then I have a little secret to tell you. You're still a stock clerk! I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Oh, Merlin. Right. You've disgraced the toy department. So when we originally talked about that clip, mm-hmm. you were like, we can edit out the last part. And I'm like, don't, because you've disgraced the toy department is literally one of my funniest <laughs> moments <laughs> in this movie. Gotta go pretty low to disgrace the toy department. Not as low as toiletries, but still pretty Not low. Not as low. Yeah. Now, we, uh, we discussed a little bit earlier about how... All they seemed to sell was Donald Ducks in the yeah. toy department. Yeah. In that scene, the uh, uh, the, the Billy character is Billy. That his name? Freddie. Freddie character uh, is walking around being this pompous jerk. Oh, he's you know he's like got I, the he's, flower in his lapel king, now. King yeah. Of the, king of the walk, cock of the walk is the proper term, I Ooh. think. Yeah, that's not not that's not dirty. That's like the Rolling Stones version. Uh-huh. They and he's you know finding <laughs> dust and everything. Everybody's and and naughty. Yeah, and in the in the background, there were like bicycles. 
spies. And in one little scene, I noticed that there's dollhouses. So all they sold for toys in 1939 was bicycles, dollhouses, and walking, quacking Donald Ducks. <laughs> no hula hoops. No hula hoops. None. No hula hoops. So let's there just... There was no chipmunk yet. Let's just fill in Freddy's situation because there is some stuff that, that's referenced there. So just just because I got we got kind of rambling and off track. So Freddy goes out or goes to pick Ginger up for this dance contest, sees the baby. And in the trailer, that's when you say he asks about the baby and she says she got it for Christmas. And he goes this year or last year, which is a funny ass line. Yes. Um, uh, and basically she gets the idea that she didn't want this baby. David Merlin kind of foisted this baby on her. So she's going to give it back to him. So she has Freddie drive her to the Merlin mansion gives the baby back or to the butler um, and tells him to give it to David and they go off and they go to this dance contest. So David and the butler follow them in the car and they bring the baby into this dance hall. David Niven tries to get out on the floor, has to borrow hostess and this is a dance contest going on and he's not even like interested in dancing. He's just grabbing this woman and pulling her in the direction of Ginger Rogers and, of course, gets thrown off the floor. So he's got to go wait for her at the apartment with the baby um, so he can give her a good scolding. Um, Freddie, at some point, sees that it's David Niven or David David Merlin um, of the son of J.B. Merlin's sons and gets the idea that the two of them have this baby together and so he's asking her for all kinds of favors so it just happens that they need a new floor walker after after he's asked her for some help with the big boss um so when he asks him how long have you had this job and freddie goes well you know because he thinks that this thing's been fixed up for him and it, it hasn't so right and then he's pretty pissed after that, which sets events in motion later in the film. Yeah, well, poor baby. You mentioned how she liked to prove him wrong, and she always stood up for herself. <laughs> yeah, except for that whole scene where she speaks Swedish. <laughs> where she does exactly what she's told. She, yeah, well, she didn't. I don't think she wanted to be caught as somebody who wasn't high society, so that's why she did it. Oh, yeah, just Plus, she was having... She she seemed to have fun with it. She danced all night, so she didn't get to eat. She didn't get to eat, though. Yeah. Well, I know that's important. Yeah. New Year's New Year's party, all that good food that was on the table. He didn't get to dance. He didn't. But get he to got dance. to eat. Well, you saw him on the dance floor before. There's no reason to show David Niven dancing. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> that was Ginger's deal. So, what did you think about? Uh, Charles Coburn. He, he plays the dad. The dad. He was, he was good. Everybody, everybody was good in this movie. Mm-hmm. That when that when you had to act, Michael Bay hadn't been around yet. <laughs> Bachelor mother with shaky cam. Probably, it would probably have shaky cam in it. Yeah, I think he's a scene stealer in this one. He's good in it. The scene where he's trying to describe everything and he's throwing his forks. Yeah, that's pretty pretty funny because um, what happens is. Uh, basically, um, 
David becomes more and more involved in in Polly's life, um, trying to help her out in very ineffective ways. And he ends up getting um, stood up on New Year's Eve because he hasn't called the girl that was supposed to be his date for, was it six weeks? I don't, I don't six remember. six days. I don't remember. E- either way, it's not what you do with your New Year's Eve date. Mm-hmm. So he needed a last-minute date, so he gets some, gets some goods from the store and, and takes out Polly. And Polly's lucky she's got a built-in babysitter with the landlady, which is well, fortuitous. Probably you'd have found a babysitter if you needed one. Yeah, but... Enough money. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He could have done that. So they go out to the party, and like you said before... Um, she's very nervous about being around society people because she doesn't want to be found out with somebody that she's she, that she's not. She doesn't want to not say the say the right thing. So David comes up with the idea of telling everybody that she's Swedish, and I don't think he wanted all the men to hit on her either. That, I'm. That's absolutely why he did it. Yeah. He he didn't want any man there with her except him. Mm-hmm. But she ends up with dancing with everybody all night long except for him. Which is a good thing, like you said. Yep. Um, so they end up talking to each other in this kind of gibberish, n- Swedish, not Swedish. And she gets a good jab at the uh, the hoity-toity would have been his date in the first place if David hadn't been a yes idiot and not called girl, but... Um, on the way out, and you know they're kind of falling in love on New Year's Eve, and um, he's realizing uh, that this comes with a, um, more attachments than he he wants with the baby. But he goes out to meet her the next day on New Year's Day in a park. Um, his dad follows him, and he gets this note from Freddie anonymously saying that the baby is his grandson and he's not and he's pretty much determined at that point that this kid's his grandson and it's a cute scene in the park which you heard him say in the movie mm-hmm. i am the grandfather yes but when he meets the baby he i know that chin anywhere yep <laughs> 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 And um, she basically just calls the baby John, which is just a coincidence. And when he asks what the name is, he says John. And he looks at, like I said, David Niven and says, well, thank you for that anyway. But so he decides after that, if they're not going to get married, that he is going to try to have custody of the baby, which I don't know of the laws back then. Would that have even worked? I think I know that if you had money, you could do whatever you wanted and get whatever you wanted back then. Hmm. Uh, I mean, 1939, if a man had wanted something and a woman stood in his way, the man just did whatever he wanted to do, right? That's true. That's true. Um, so the scene you were talking about happens after the park scene, um, and he's yelling at his son, thinking that, so David's now in the position that Polly's been in the entire movie trying to explain to people that this is not her baby and he has to do this. And so as he's talking to his son, he's emphatically wagging his 
fist at him while he's holding a fork, and the fork goes flying each time. And the butler comes in each time, looks down, sees that he doesn't have a fork, goes and gives him a fork. <laughs> That's one of those scenes that they did back then that they have a hard time pulling off now because it was it, there. It was acted. It mm-hmm. was it was facial gestures. It was it was almost like a. a I don't think vaudeville is the right word, but almost like a almost like a silent movie comedy mm-hmm. scene because the, the it would it was almost had the three's company effect as well because when the the butler would come in the the, he the was, argument would stop yeah so he's like what and and then and then they'd argue and then he'd come back and be like wait wait I, I just I just got him a fork it was it was very very well written and very well carried out yeah it, it was. was a very very good scene one of the better scenes in the movie. So as I was doing um, the research as we are getting ready to do this. Do what? The podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I thought we were going to play a game or something. No, I, no, no, I no. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Monopoly on the table? No Monopoly on the table, folks. No Monopoly on the table. Um, I was looking through... Articles on the internet, Wikipedia. So I'm going down rabbit holes, as you do. And I click on Charles Colburn's Wikipedia page. It's James Colburn's great uncle. Yeah. James Colburn. It's, no, it's, it's Talk not. my memory. It, James Colburn, the actor. He was in some stuff, and his oh, last well, name's just, Colburn. We're just throwing that out there. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, okay. You weren't being there's, serious. There's no way in hell that's real. And if it is, it was like literally a backwards okay. three-point shot. Well, this is what I did find out, and, and this made me regret going down the rabbit hole. I'm going through his Wikipedia page, and I come aclo- across a subheading called Political Activity. In the 1940s, Colburn served as vice president of the Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals, a group opposed to leftist infiltration and proselytization in Hollywood during the Cold War. Eh. Born and raised in the southern state of Georgia, Colburn was also a member of the White Citizens Councils, a white supremacist group which opposed racial integration. Fuck you, Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't see the problem here. <laughs> Uh, you know when you like enjoy something and then you find something out, like just as an example, I listen to, um, and that's why we drink. Mm-hmm. It's a podcast that does paranormal and yes. crime, true crime. Right. So, the last episode I listened to, they were talking about a cryptid that had otter-like properties to it. Okay. And then they went down the rabbit hole of otter facts, and. I won't say what the facts were, but it was basically very disturbing. So sometimes when you find out too much about something, <laughs> it kind of taints your perspective of it. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I, I I can I see what you're saying, but and we can agree that nobody should be disparaged because of their sex or their race or their religion or mm-hmm. their color or anything like that. But you can't look at somebody from 1940s and in the 40s I understand this guy that. was probably in his 60s that's that was just how it was accepted that was the accepted back then it's not doesn't make that doesn't make it, it correct by everybody but yes well no okay. it was and not and not much is accepted by everybody mm-hmm. but that was by far the majority of the way most people in the world thought i'm not saying it's right it, maybe he did it to enhance his 
acting career? Who knows? Don't you can't hate the guy because he did something that ninety percent of the country did back then. I mean, mm-hmm. the only the only thing that you can legitimately hate somebody for doing that ninety percent of the world enjoys is if they like Justin Bieber. That's it. That's the only only thing that you can judge somebody for. Or Taylor Swift. You know what? I'll let it. I'll let it play. Okay. Well, absolutely. But still, I was like, no, it kind of sucks. Damn, I you... did not want to know that. I absolutely did not want to know that. And. Well, we can get so. the protocol droids um, mind wiped if you want. <laughs> uh, Just out of curiosity. What? So, 3PO didn't recognize Obi-Wan because he'd had his mind wiped. How come Obi-Wan didn't recognize 3PO? I can't answer that question for me, you because I'm not into the Star Wars. I can't answer that question for me either. That's why I asked you. I, well, I can't answer it for you. And this is not about Star Wars. so It can't be for like 20 minutes. I don't want it to be. No. I know. Okay. This movie was stupid. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it again. I did look up when we were listening to the last clip what Reds were in New York City. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So um, they are don't. Are they have in New York City? Yeah, they are. Because they, they are were in New York like, City. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't have the 1930s, but in the 1940s, the average rent was $50 a month. Really? Mm hmm. Um, Golly, that seems they high. S- they said ha- housing across nearly the entire Lower East Side was less than 30. Granite's Village was a mich- mixed bag with a decent amount of housing in the 50 to to $100 range. Okay. Uh, I guess that makes sense, yeah. I mean, where I live right now, it's it's like $5 a month. But back then, I can see it. New York City. So before you... you st- you watched this film. I mean, what was your, what was your expectation going in? That there was going to be no car chases and no shootouts and no. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a typical nineteen thirties, forties, fifties movies. It, it's 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 well acted. Most mostly, most of those movies are well acted. I mean, the crappy ones aren't. Look, if you're watching a movie now and it, and you're and you're getting you're talking about it, it's not it's not a pile of shit. It's not, you know, it's not Hobgoblins <laughs> or, or No Retreat, No Surrender. No Retreat, No right? Surrender. It's, it's, it's a movie that's got, it's got some legs. It's gonna, it can carry itself. So you're going to have strong actors in it. You're going to have, it's going to be a good movie. But those movies, even though the stories were different, they had the same, the same formula for success. They had, they had strong leading characters, whether it be the man or the woman. It was mm-hmm. well-written. The the dia- the dialogue is good. Um, they're typically a little shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this movie is only eighty four minutes. I think it is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very it's, short. But, it's and, done very and, well. And it's it's a lot. It's it's carried it's carried by the actors themselves. There's no big time special effects. It, it it I mean, it is what it is. It it's. I mean, to me, it's like watching. It's literally like trying to watch. When we were kids, it's like watching, you know, Bewitched or Beverly Hillbillies or something. Nothing crazy or fancy happened in those shows. You just watched them. You liked what you liked what you saw. The, the dialogue kept you in, in, enamored, and away you went. I, I expected. I don't know why. I, I don't know why they called it Bachelor Mother. Because she was not married. Okay, a woman's a bachelor. Isn't a woman a bachelorette? Yeah, but because because that's what I watch on ABC on Sunday nights at ten o'clock. <laughs> is the I don't watch The Bachelor. I watch the no. 
I, I, I feel weird that I don't is know why they called it that. The That's something no, I didn't I, know about absolutely, you. No, absolutely, absolutely not. I'll watch that when I'm done listening <laughs> to Justin Bieber. The uh, this, it, it this is, was, it's what I expected from most of the older movies that we watched. This is a remake um, of a foreign film um, that was an Academy uh, Award nominated story called Little Mother. Yep, Joe Joe Pasternak and Henry Coster, mm. and it was never screened in the U.S. Um, See, I know stuff. Ah, you do know stuff. I am looking for. There was an article in the blog called Pop Matters. Here it is. It is, and that's Pop Matters, P-O-P, popmatters.com. And it's written by Michael Barrett back in December of 2010 where he gives a review of the movie. I don't like that guy. You don't know that guy. True. All right. So it said, this movie can be enjoyed without thinking about its relation to the motion picture production code. But... A part of the candy viewer's enjoyment derives from watching this movie play with what's allowed and what isn't. Movies weren't allowed to make light of having children out of wedlock. Movies on this subject were always about how the mother suffered or and sacrificed to redeem herself. Since this movie never explains the origin of the baby, we have no special reason to think it's a bastard instead of simply an orphan. The old woman who leaves the baby only says it hasn't got any parents. If the child had really been an Ill- illegitimate baby of Polly and David, as most characters believe it is, then the comedy would have been would not have been made. Everything about it would have been unacceptable to the code. The thing that would have been condemned by the legions of decency, the legion of decency, and many states and cities would have refused to show it, since it isn't their baby. However, it's strangely acceptable as a comic ruse that everyone should think so. So, in 1939, to have had a baby out of wedlock mm-hmm. and love it and care for it and maintain it, you're a piece of shit. But hey, this baby's just laying on the side of the road. We can make all the jokes we want. <laughs> yeah, Literally. Pretty, pretty that much is exactly it's because what he just said. this baby is not truly, in the script, is not the legitimate son of David and Polly then we can go along with the story with everybody thinking this baby is illegitimate and born out of wedlock. Had it had it oh been the other God. way around, this movie would have never gotten made. You know how sometimes you talk about things and you learn stuff, and then after you learn something, your head just hurts? <laughs> just like what I said with Charles Coburn. <laughs> My head hurt. Uh, it's an interesting take. It really is an interesting take. Very good article. Okay. I... They have, and now it's just about the this committee is just about well, yeah, you can do whatever you want. We just you know have a code that says that makes it PG or that makes it R. Well, the Hayes Code was anyone who was deviant or anyone who was evil, you had to show them either getting their comeuppance or having to redeem themselves. That's that's what that was. So that. It's the baby's this plot device, but it's not. So you're saying since the baby was deviant, he had to get his. <laughs> it's a deviant baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay. okay. Uh, no. You're going to make reparations. <laughs> You're making reparations for that diaper I had to change 20 <laughs> minutes ago, you little son of a bitch. Let's talk about the baby, okay? That the, kid was huge. <laughs> the kid was... The kid... Because I, I, I figured it out. I, I sat down and I... I because I've never had any kids of my own. I've, you know, had the pleasure of being a stepmother, but I've never had any kids of my own. So I had to look up at what age do babies start teething and have their full frontal or their full their front teeth in fully, but I, but not be walking. I don't So that baby has to be somewhere around seven to eight months old. Okay. Maybe nine. Yeah, but I think they're crawling at that point. They're, well, he was crawling. He got out of his ba- bassinet. That's right, but he did. But he, he wasn't walking. He couldn't walk, but he was able to rappel down the side this of the bassinet. This kid had two full front teeth. Yeah. Um, he was big, baby. Like Bucky Beaver front teeth. Yeah, yeah. Cute kid, but... <laughs> I'll bet you that kid weighed 60 pounds. <laughs> Not as much as the other kid in the park where they said, the doctor says oh, my our son's are. A, a perfect specimen. And the, the baby turned to the camera. It's like, Wah. yeah, Yeah, his, all, his eyes are all jacked up. Just once you'd like to see one of these old movies, you know it'll never happen when our baby is in the 99th percent. You just want to hear the woman go, well, laddie fucking da. <laughs> Good for you. He, he can <laughs> recite the first line in Gunga Din. Yeah. Oh, shit. What movie is that? That was that was that this was, one. That's that right. That was Bachelor Mother because That's right. they were in the park and they're trying. They're playing off this parenting thing, and she's got one that's Ginger they're Rogers. They're basically having a pissing contest. Oh yeah, Ginger Rogers is talking to the mother, and she's saying, "Oh, our baby is this, and our baby's that, and has your baby done this yet? Oh, honey, their baby's not doing this yet and that." And she's so Ginger Rogers decides to play one one up mission and knows nothing about the kids. And she's like, "Well, my baby can talk." Oh, there's yeah. no way your baby can talk. And so she gets David in on it. And David said, oh, yeah, he can recite the first line of Dunkunga Din. And she's like, oh, frick. <laughs> I do know this. Kids can babble at about 16 months. Yeah. But they don't have coherent conversations until they're like two, two and a half-ish. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know words, but that's... That make that made it kind of funny. That's, You're just sitting there going, yeah. you know, he might as well just said, "Well, our son is the CEO of Ford Motor Company." <laughs> okay, I, well, I mean, at this point, shit. If you, I mean, if you're gonna go, go big. Well, I've, I've, I think that that he was, she was trying to like communicate to him, like just back me up on this, and he just took it to a level that was absurd, and it was great. It was a great freaking line. I want to. We, I mean, there's there's a lot of absurdity in this, and that is how movies of this era got their comedy. Yeah, because absurdity was not the norm. You didn't have Family Guy on repeat, so you, everything was pretty uh, adult. And and you know, I mean, we had movies where you know the bad guy always had to lose stuff like that. How the one part of this movie that I found annoying was the part of the the movie where he was trying to convince her how he was she was supposed to feed the baby. Oh, the and he's got the, the book. And the pages yeah. of the book or something. And this Allah is friends yeah. uh Shepherd's Pie meets Trifle, yeah. Yeah, this isn't um and this isn't me with a uh, has questions. This is me watching a movie and and being believable. What grown ass man 
that that is is an intelligent individual mm-hmm. thinks that you feed the baby by rubbing it on their belly. There is no <laughs> organism in the world that feeds because you rub food on its belly. Well, I think that's a character thing because he's come over and it's not that he truly thinks that. I think he's just being stubborn because he's come over with this book thinking he's doing her this huge favor and trying to prove her wrong. Like, how do you know you're doing that right? And as she says, well, I put the food on a spoon and I give it to the baby and the baby swallows it. It's not complicated. And so he pulls out the book intent on proving her wrong. And it's just how he is. It's like him in the duck scene. Okay. You know, he he gets in almost affronted by the fact that he's coming from this privileged point of view. And I think that that's more of that. And it's okay. That's it's fair there enough. for the humor. And also, speaking of deviants, why are the pages stuck together, you sick son of a bitch? Wrong podcast, baby. Oh. <laughs> well, we had to have a deviant in there somewhere. Maybe they got food on it. Oh, maybe. Ha ha. Ha ha. ha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not quite Nelson Muntz. It's more ha ha. But <laughs> the, uh, the scene at the end where they're all arguing about who is the father. Yeah, because what they do in in an attempt to prevent um, J.B. Merlin from taking the baby away from Ginger Rogers is they have to come up with the father so they can let David off the hook so they don't think it's David. And she can keep the baby because she's grown attached to it in, oh, about five days because this happens between Christmas Eve and sometime after New Year's Day. And they, so she brings her version of the father and David goes and finds Freddie and basically tells him, if you say you're the father, I'll give you your job back as a floor walker. Yes. And so unbeknownst to each other, they both show up. Yeah, it made for... um what I was going to say was I think that if somebody that had that kind of money hits somebody twice, he hits the, the college boy, the Harvard boy, he hits him, he hits him oh, in the head. Oh, that's because, yeah, because at one point when when Ginger Rogers has given up the ghost on trying to protest that this is her, her not her son, um, he, he starts asking her questions, so she makes up the story that she left the father because the father used to beat her. Right. And that makes up a story that she has a scar on her forehead, which I didn't see. Did you see it? Uh, no. And uh, because she got a coffee pot thrown at her. So when, you know, David's in love with her. So when he co- confronts this guy, he hits him in the head with a coffee pot. Yeah, I think the cops probably would have been called at that point. The more of the absurdity that they use to to generate mm-hmm. the humor, he gets hit twice. He gets hit in the head twice. Well, the concussion probably they didn't slowed know him down. A they, tad. Didn't, they didn't know about CTE <laughs> back then. 
they still don't know about CTE. That was a that was a that was a fun scene where everybody just shit just goes all haywire at that point. Yeah. She runs away. They try and trace her down. Yep. They. <laughs> she runs back to her apartment and hides in. Uh, apparently, there's a movie new moving wall in her landlord landlady's uh, room. The secret passage. A secret right. passage way that is literally the size <laughs> of the room. <laughs> It got it, it. It. I mean, the ending was. Yeah, it, it was contrived. He asked her good. to marry him, and she says, "Do you still think this baby is mine?" And he says, "Yes." And she goes, "Ha ha." Uh-huh. Oh. So sorry. I told. I told you I was gonna kick the cat in the face. Did you <laughs> <kick> <laughs> was he biting you? No, I just Serves accidentally him right. kicked him in the face. Aww. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he looks so put out now. He does. He's like, oh my god, I had to move three point two millimeters. I hate you, <laughs> do do you uh, do you find that this movie is as strong a movie as it makes itself out to be? I'm not. I'm not saying that right. When you say as strong as it, a movie, it got it got nominated. Um, uh, it was on the top 500 list of the funniest movies, AFI funniest movies. Okay. It did not make the top 100, but it was like, but I mean, saying you're in the top 500 movies is like saying, you know, I threw a football once. Uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of movies in that. I, I don't think it's as funny as say his girl Friday or. There's not many movies that. that are as funny as yeah, that. Um, Philadelphia story that, but uh, it's, it's enjoyable. It's entertaining. That was the one about that guy that played football, right? Marky Mark was in it. No. Okay. No, but it did star one of Ginger Rogers, uh, rumored, um, what's the word I want to call it? Bo- Rivals. Boyfriend. Oh yeah. They, the, the Hollywood machine had basically set it up that, Ginger Rogers and Catherine Hepburn were. They hated each other. Cinematic rivals, yeah. Um, the, not so much that. It's just Catherine Hepburn's career really started out strong, and Ginger Rogers took a couple of movies. And once she got paired with Fred Astaire, she was making a lot of money for the studios. Of course, she was. And Catherine Hepburn, they kept throwing her in roles that were not appropriate to Catherine Hepburn so she became box office poison and now that was that the poison that Bobby Black died of (laughs) 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 unclog my heart um no (laughs) (laughs) so they would they would all right I have to I'm sorry gotta gotta go down a rabbit hole about Ford Fairlane (laughs) Yes, no, no, no. we're done with Fort Fairlane. No more Fort Fairlane. All right, then it's a rabbit hole. Then it's a rabbit hole about Vince Neil. So if you guys haven't seen the video where the people put all the words on it, where he's singing "Kickstart My Heart," and he, it's hysterical. There's one of them where he says, (laughs) 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 "We've been laughing about it all week at work," and he goes, "Tweedledee in my bean, whoa, wow!" (laughs) It just. (laughs) <laughs> Tweedledee in my bean. Oh my goodness gracious! Okay, so Catherine Hepburn was box so office Catherine poison. 
platform was box office poison, so they they kind of considered them rivals. I know they were all in a about forty. I want to say forty five, forty seven. They were all in a. Uh, they were in forty seven movies together. No, no, no. They were in one movie together. They were in Stage Door together. Um, but Stagecoach Door. No, just Stage Door. Okay. Yeah, not Stagecoach. See, you make it so hard to get a no, sentence out. No, I make it hard to get a sentence out. Listen, I'll watch Stagecoach Door. At least maybe there's a car chase in that one. <laughs> stage Door probably takes place in one fucking room with a goddamn pocket door. I don't think that would even happen. Of course it would. I mean, you have to you have to remove the car and make it a stage make it a stagecoach. It's a stagecoach chasing a stagecoach. Maybe with another stagecoach lagging behind, but I mean, at least at least you got some shit going on there. Stuff is moving. Oh. <laughs> Anywho, I think I'll just drop the whole thing. But no, no. yeah, basically, they they would they were rumored to be rivals, and they were actually both involved with Howard Hughes. And uh, there's not that's not a surprise at all. Uh, and Howard Hughes uh, had dated. Catherine Hepburn, and he was kind of on and off with Ginger Rogers, and he actually asked Ginger Rogers to marry him. I don't think they ever went through it, through it with it, um, but there was just a lot of. You know what the crazy thing ab- about that? Yeah, you know what the crazy thing about Howard Hughes is? He, he looks exact, all of him. He all looks of him exactly is crazy, like Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen an actual picture of Howard Hughes? Yes, I have. Yeah, he, he, he not far off. I know. Leo's a little. Bit I was better just saying looking, that because Leo DiCaprio played looking. Howard Hughes in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I uh, understand. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a it. joke that really, really smart people get. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't make it. It's funny to me that the studios would actually make actors and actresses out to be against each other. Right. Like, I, I guess it would be hard to dispute mm-hmm. back in that day but it's like oh don't go see the don't go see the Barbara Stanwyck movie go see the whatever lady movie because why <laughs> I mean why, we, well, why why would you be why would you hate each other Ginger Rogers had this appeal that she was very much a down to earth every girl girl Except, next door she was a girl next door I don't know I don't think she was so much the girl next door but she was just kind of down to earth um, not upper crusty, you know what I'm saying? Uh, where Catherine Hepburn just oozed upper crust, darling. <laughs> uh, and uh, by the by, I threw up in your coat closet. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a friend's reference. Yes, it is. So that's I think some of it too is like her appeal was much wider and as they were trying to put Catherine Hepburn in all these different roles because they either put her in these costume dramas or there was like one where she's supposed to be playing this mountain girl with a southern accent which she does not pull off in in any way shape or form talking about Catherine Hepburn so her slump was was pretty bad and the fact that but both of them were very very savvy um Ginger Rogers is probably one of the highest paid female actresses in Hollywood. It's because her movies made money. Her movies did make money. And, and even in 1940, it came down to who made money. Mm-hmm. And she she pushed she pushed the boundaries in a, in a couple of, of things, I think, um, as far as their first the first movie she did with Fred Astaire, 
some of the dances and the, what she wore were a little bit provo provocative for the day. And she was able to push those without coming across as this bombshell. There was that one movie that she was in where you actually saw her wrist. <laughs> scandalous. I, it's hard for me to imagine anybody wearing anything scandalous in a movie in 1938 or 39 mm -hmm. because everybody... I mean, these guys get out of bed in the morning and mm -hmm. go brush their teeth, and they're in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> Women have long sleeves, dresses all the way down to their feet. The shirt comes all the way up to underneath their... Well, they don't have Adam's apples, but if they did, it would cover up their Adam's apple. My Joey's apple. My, it's, it's, it's crazy to say that, oh, she, it was scandalous. The, the top button on her boot was only half... I, it's, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny to me. But so so that's interesting. Now Ginger Rogers will go on to make other movies after this. Um, she does win an Academy Award. Um, so she's Catherine Hepburn was in that mo one movie, Stage Door. I heard that was pretty good. <laughs> that Stagecoach Door. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll make that one day. Stagecoach Door, starring. <laughs> A car chase. <laughs> <laughs> and a door. And a door. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie got remade. Um, it did. Back in the 50s with um, then-married couple Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Mm -hmm. And we have seen this. Yes, we have seen Bachelor Mother. <laughs> yes, we've seen, we've seen no. A Holiday Affair. No, it's a holiday affair. It's, it is. No, it's not. It is in my world. <laughs> no, uh, I, I can't. Um, a bundle of joy. Bundle of joy. Bundle of joy. Yeah, bundle of joy. So it's basically the I same. I was stalling because I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah, either. I was like, trying, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna prove you wrong, and I'm gonna tell you what that title is, and then my brain just went. Eh? I know what a holiday affair is. It's that movie with the fragile in it. Fragile. <laughs> <laughs> That's not it either. Nope, it's not. Um, so yeah, that movie's the same, except the book's the same, but they throw musical numbers in. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe we'll do it sometime just because it's off the beaten path and it blah, is, blah, blah. it it's, is, it's, 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 it's a about, good watch. It's about the same. If I had to pick one or the other, I'd, I'd still pick the Ginger Rogers and David Niven. Um, yeah, the, I think the, this was, it's better as an... I don't want to say sound. This does sound bad. It's better as a movie, not as a musical, to me. Yeah, the musical it, is is got little catchy little numbers in it, and Debbie Reynolds is you know Debbie Reynolds at the time, which was this charming, cute little bundle mm -hmm. of energy. She brings a different approach to Polly, where you've got a little bit more of a savvier, snarkier. Well, it was but a different. It was a different time. You know. Well, no, from 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 Ginger Rogers. I know right? it was a different you, time. Women could be. They were a little more liberated at the time. But not liberated in the fifties. Yeah, kind of went back a little bit. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Um, and they, you know, the the only thing I think they change up is the reason that Polly loses her job is because she's so overzealous, and she sells hats, not ducks, in this. But she's so overzealous about save or by about selling these hats that she sells a lot during the day, and then the next day there's usually a lot of returns because it's a impulse buy or right. it's a regret buy. And that's pretty much, I think, one of the only changes. Um, you know, they have a maybe a television segue, and that's how Polly 
returns the baby on TV. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's cute. It, I think it's done well, but I think that the David Niven Ginger Rogers version would be my pick. Yeah, that's cute and all, but if we can't talk about Ford Fairlane, we can't talk about Bundle of Joy. No. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll obey the rules. I know, I just, no, no, I'm, no, you're big on the rules. You know, you know I'm, I, I'm kidding. I just think that it flowed more. It flows more as a movie. The, the musical numbers are good. It's just mm-hmm. to me, it wasn't. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, when you watch a musical, mm-hmm. like, um, uh, you know, The Wizard of Oz is is a. It's not a musical, but the musical numbers are a part of the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is just like, hey, we've got this two talented people. Well, let's just take a movie. Make a cash grab. We'll just have them dance right here, so that we can, ha- you know what I mean. That's that's how I felt about watching Bundle of Joy. Yeah. So, did you have questions? I know we were kind of talking about some of the. We don't we don't have questions, but I do want to tell a story that okay. I found about David Niven. Okay. So after making this movie, David Niven returned to England to serve in the British Army during World War II. And at the Battle of Bulge in 1944, the Germans had infiltrated the American lines which prompted all American, uh, uh, a whole bunch of roadblocks to be put up, and they asked questions that no German would have any reason to know. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, who won the World Series in such and such year? Well, David Niven was actually stopped at the roadblock, and he was a lieutenant colonel in the British, Na- uh, um, British mm-hmm. Army. And he was asked who won the World Series in 1940. <laughs> he replied, I haven't the faintest idea, but I do know that I made a picture with Ginger Rogers in 1938. And the MP replied, okay, beat it, Dave, but watch your step for Christ's sake. <laughs> He's British, in the British Army, and they're asking him who won the World Series like someone from Britain would care and want to know about I, that. That's kind of silly. It, well, it doesn't matter. That's because my question. Why would they? Okay, okay. In military intelligence, mm-hmm. why would they impersonate an American to an American? They would impersonate a different. Mm-hmm. It probably because because you have to have that American accent down. You can fake being British. You see what I'm saying? Right. Uh, that's that's why I I, I don't. I, but to ask the questions, mm-hmm. look look, you're going to be able to convince the guy one way or another. I, I you know what, you know who won the World Series in 2018. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Not right? Attention. If we went to war right now, I'm <laughs> fucked because I don't know who won. Now, if you ask me who won Super Bowl three, I've got a shot. <laughs> but this, so, but I just think it's you, you. know, he has he has that. This is one of the things that really impresses me about David Niven. Mm-hmm. He has that. Is he British? No, no, no. You, you. When you're watching him, you're like, is is he is is he American? Because he has an accent that's mm-hmm. not. But he also talks the way that ninety nine percent of actors talked back then. Classic. Yes, it like you know, like the way Cary Grant talked. Yeah, he, he. Yeah, he was. Hey, you know, I'm. I can't he, get he my was, Cary Grant on. No, right you're, now. you're right, but but you know that the way it was, it was just hello an Rose. Yes, yeah. the way that they spoke, he was very. It, they enunciated things like that. Enunciate. You would never, you would never know that he was British. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it just that surprised me, especially mm-hmm. when you watch a movie like um, The Pink Panther, because he still doesn't have a British accent in The Pink Panther, even though, you know, you, we're in we're in Europe. So I just he's 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 really telling. I just like that. I just like that story because you know, the man was at the Battle of the Bulge. 
for goodness sake. Wow. Yeah, that's that's impressive. Yeah, that is pretty impressive. And he's in also one of our one of well, one of my favorite Christmas movies, so. Yep. Die Hard. Not Die Hard, no. <laughs> yeah, he fell off Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. I think we've agreed that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It is a movie with Christmas in it. We have agreed and on that. Bachelor Mother is not a, not a holiday movie, but it is a movie with the holidays in it. Yes, I agree. This is not a Christmas movie no, by any stretch not. of the imagination. Neither is Love Actually. Uh, yeah. That's not even a good movie. No. All right. <laughs> okay. We, oh, FYI, everybody, we will not be doing Love Actually on this show because I'm never watching that piece of garbage again. Um, do I have questions? Yes. Where do I start? I don't... I don't really have any questions. You know, I think we've been asking the questions because the yeah, biggest questions in and around this is is the, the you know the fact that you know you've got a an eight to nine month old baby, and I you don't you don't have the backstory as far as how long Ginger Rogers has been living in the apartment that she's in, but how could she have kept from her landlady having a baby that old? And like regardless, the baby doesn't cry. A lot. Very good, quiet, unrealistic baby right there. But she openly accepts the fact that this baby is in here. But how do you not know? Like, how you know, how are people not believing is it, that is, she's saying this isn't her baby? The same way that uh, all of the other things that happen in this movie, how do you not know? It just, it just it had to be let go because it drove mm-hmm. the story. That is really... When you watch, when I watch an older movie, 99% of the time, that's the things that I have a problem with. You're like, this is really, I mean, come on, nobody nobody saw that guy, pushed that guy, you know, just the silly things. That's just something you had to let go. You're right, but they had to, you know, they had to have the landlady involved because they needed a place for her to hide at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was just a lot of, No, I'm, I would I would personally think that if you went from being a woman who had a job, Mm-hmm. And was barely making it. Right. Okay. And now they're like, oh, good news. We're going to give you your same job back. But, oh, by the way, you got to take care of this nine-month-old. Well, they gave her a raise. Yeah, we don't well, know how much. But yeah, <laughs> yay. Think, okay. Cloth diapers. Oh, yeah. No washing machines. Yep. Okay. Uh, she's she's having to feed it. She's having to clean it. She's having to bathe buy it. Buy it ducks. She's having to buy it ducks. Um there's, I mean, I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, fire me, because life just got really, really rough for her, especially by herself. Well, I think that the job market still hadn't really opened up at that time either, so she's not going to have things, a job. Things didn't really start screaming until 1940, 1941, mm-hmm. when we thought we were going to be going to war. Mm-hmm. That's that's correct, and it hadn't really. But she was, she also had a temp job. Yeah, she knew you know? that. No, no, I know, but I'm saying that it's not like she had entrenched herself and it was a career lady. Right. She, she had it, so she had to have been bouncing from job to job to job or barely making ends meet. So she couldn't. It's not like she had a nest egg where she's like, "Oh, look, I can get all this stuff for the baby." I right. mean, she. I mean, that carriage she had was that was like the Rolls Royce of carriages back then when they went to the park on New Year's Day. Yeah, that little pram. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's my question. Where did the pram come from? No. Oh. <laughs> where, where, well, the pram was developed in 1846. 
It was it was it was it was accidentally modeled after a stagecoach when two people were almost run over in town when one stagecoach was chasing another stagecoach. That's when they took the doors off the for the for the filming of stagecoach (laughs) door. Um, so we typically do this each week. I mean, do you have any more questions? Really, I I really don't have any more questions because I think we asked the questions, and I know that 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 Miss Rogers actually. Had questions too before she started to and it's film a ba- this. It's thing. a basic story, you know. There's not a lot to that, that can go sideways. There's it's mm-hmm. just kind of uh, well. You that's know, what I like about it. It's just that you don't have a whole lot of excess characters. You you've got basically one coherent story with the little offshoots that come back into the mm-hmm. the main story, and it it, it just works. I think this it's movie good. this movie was supposed to have been released in 1938. But uh, they had to send it back for rewrites because they they couldn't make the alien part of the story work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the so, baby came from space. Is that what you're saying? Yes, <laughs> he floated down on a giant pickle. Um, one other thing that I do want to say is, in looking up, obviously the the remake because that was a straight off remake, but a lot of other. Sources were also saying that potentially Baby Boom could also be considered a remake of this, even though we don't have a the rich character coming in. Yeah, the hometown. If you're going to say that, then you're going to say that the baby, the baby, that Baby Boom was a much more um, f- feminine, uh, much more a woman power take on the. Because she did everything by herself well, in that movie. Yeah, she was well. She was much more fish out of water than yeah. than in this one. The, this was much cleaner, obviously. Right. Things just kind of fell into place. So, nineteen thirty nine. Okay. There June nineteen thirty nine is when it came out. There were some monster movies. Released. Huge movies. Oh my god, biggest box office. Well, uh, Gone with the Wind, which is the largest grossing movie. In history, if you adjust, adjust for, for inflation, inflation yep. uh, which would be $1.8 billion. Uh, that was number one. Number two was The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the crazy thing. Gone with the Wind in 1939 actually made, actually made $56 million. That's a lot of money. Number two was Wizard of Oz, 9.8. There were some monster movies that year. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Wuthering Heights. Uh, stagecoach doors. Oh, I'm sorry. Stagecoach. Let's see. Uh, uh, The Women. The original Women was out that year. Oh, Mm -hmm. uh, ironically, Gunga Din. Gunga Din, Came out that year. Uh, There was a handful of others. Uh, Only Angels Have Wings, which is a Cary Grant movie, which we will not be... Cary Grant and Rita Hayworth, we will not be watching that movie. The original of Mice and Men had Burgess Meredith. Bachelor Mother came in at number 25 for the year. It made $4.7 million. Uh, it cost $502,000 to make. Wow. This movie was a success, and it was really pivotal for Ginger Rogers' career that this movie was a success because mm-hmm. she had box office draw, and it wasn't a, a musical or a dance with uh, yeah. Ginger, Fred, Fred, Fred Astaire. Uh, yeah, I think she made one more film with Fred Astaire. After they had parted parted ways, but this was her first coming yeah. out of the gate. So uh, I mean, that's that's solid money. I mean, 
you spend five hundred thousand dollars. I think they said it made a net profit of eight hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars. That's a lot of money in nineteen thirty-nine. That was a lot of money. So, you know, good on them. Yeah, good on she them. was a good draw. She was a good box office draw. People liked her. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Okay. Would you watch this movie again? <laughs> oh, wait, wait a, a minute. minute. That's my line. Yeah. So, Greg, would you watch this movie again? Um, I um, uh, yeah, I would watch this movie again. It was it's a good movie. It, it's it's a fun movie. It's very cute. There's there's some very cute there's some very cute moments in it. There's some very good lines. Um, I I thought that Ginger Rogers was good in it, but I thought David Niven was better. Really? I, yeah, I did. He just she was. She was her character. She never went way south or way north of what her medium was. You know what I mean? She right. was she was who she was. Whereas David Niven was, oh hey, look, I'm the son of a billionaire. To oh oh my God, you left you left the baby, and then like oh my God, I'm so sad because I want to marry. I mean, you know what I mean? He was up and down, and well, that was I think that's part of the comedy of it. It, 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 it absolutely she's is steady Eddie. And yeah, it absolutely as, is as unflappable as she's gonna get, even though she's not happy with the way things are going and saying, "Oh no, this no, you're not gonna give me this kid." Where he's supposed to be this genteel, even keeled guy, and to see him go from your standard David Niven to doing these things like getting mad and yelling or doing that little weird dance imitation he does of her it's it's out of character for it, him yes, and that's is. what makes it funny it i i agree i agree what were your three favorite moments oh uh my three favorite moments would be i really like the exchange between her um and him where she's feeding him the lines in the in the scene that's that we played good. um when he's trying to return the duck because um, she was trying to tell him that <laughs> whole house would be full of them. The whole house would be full of them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Kind of telling him, yeah, your returns part department is not as good as you think it is. Haha. <laughs> so I like that. Um, I do like the scene with with uh, Colburn chucking forks every which way. That was yeah. That's that's one of my top three. Uh, a good a good and interesting scene. And. Uh, let me think. All right, I'll give you my my other two. The the Chuck and Forks was one. Mm-hmm. The you've disgraced the toy department. <laughs> Just because you're because that's not the line that what makes it so funny is that's not the line you're expecting to hear. Because here's the guy who's I'm the cat's ass. I'm the new I'm the new man in town. Everybody better bow to me. And then he actually does his job, gets in trouble. Well back before there was a lawyer. <laughs> that would get upset with you for for dragging somebody down, right? And he was he was legitimately stealing. In that scene, David Niven's character was legitimately stealing. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll come back to it. I do have one question. So he gets tackled for stealing, and then he gets in trouble. And the line that his old boy, his boss, his new boss says to him, "You've disgraced the toy department, bro, <laughs> bro. You have bicycles, dollhouses, and ducks. I think you're already disgraced." <laughs> It's not the line that you know you'd expect to hear. Well, go change or something like that. You've disgraced it, and he stomps off like he took that shit personal. Uh, the the other one, my my other part that I liked 
was after they're leaving the ball when she insults her over her shoulders. Oh, when yeah. She makes the, 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 when she busts her chops about shoulders in English and the girl's like, ugh. Yeah. Like, oh, cat fight. It really is the bachelorette. She says, she says not bad for a last minute replacement, but I don't know. I think I would have rather stayed home. There was something that she, she said. She says something about a mink jacket, and she says, yeah, my shoulders pull it off better than yours did or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, with those shoulders, I, she, she says, oh, I'd have I, to I look it up. I would rather stay at home, and yeah. she says, with those shoulders, I would have too. That's what yeah. she says, yeah. So basically, she was saying she looked like a man, was what she was saying. Yeah. yeah. She got on uh, bra back. Uh, David laughed a little too hard at that. So, yeah, that kind of ruins it because he does he does laugh extremely hard. Right. Oh, I have questions. All right, here's my question. All right, after he tries to exchange the duck, mm-hmm. okay, he gets pissed off that he can't exchange a duck. Right. So he walks over to the counter where Ginger Rogers' character's friend is working at the time, mm-hmm. and he starts chucking the Donald ducks all over the place. He's knocking shit over and throwing stuff. Why? Why didn't he just take one and leave? I mean, he's literally breaking <laughs> more ducks. How is he going to get them exchanged? He doesn't have receipts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I know that they wanted us to show that he was mad, but I think we already understood that he was mad. He didn't have to start destroying shit. I mean, they're just helpless little ducks. <laughs> little Donald ducks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's just... That was... But again, that was out of character for Nevin, so it makes it funny. Okay. Whatever. Makes it funny. Trying to find that line, but I'm not going to find it in time. Uh, The thing that I also liked, and I think this is is the part that... I got to think about this. There was something that I thought was just adorable that she does. And I can't. Oh, oh! When they're leaving the party, and she's doing her fake Swedish, and he's trying to teach her to say "Happy New Year," and she's a happy new dear. <laughs> yes, that was good. It's just <laughs> she's cute. They're fun together, and that's basically what they were trying to show—that they actually make a good team. Yes. When, when he, he's when not she, telling her to yeah, rub when she's food dance, in his when belly. When she's dancing and he's not. Yep, they're a great team. <laughs> oh, here it is. Uh, so how do you like her? Pretty good for a fill-in. I'd just as soon go stag. And she says, you could too with those shoulders. So She's a man, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's no man. That's a man. <laughs> so my question for you. $12. I'll give you seven. I'll take five. <laughs> <laughs> Your turn to pick next. So what are you going to make me watch? It is. I, I, I don't, I'm struggling with this every week that we had to do this because you, you know, you pick a movie for me to watch and I like it. And then I pick a movie for you to watch and you shit all over it. Um, <laughs> I don't shit all over most of them. I don't shit. Oh, the only one that you even enjoyed a little bit was Tucker and Dale. Okay, uh, you gave me, you have given me Network, Rosemary's Baby, uh-huh. this, and what was the other one? The other one was. I can't remember right now. Uh, and I like, and I liked. We I, haven't done that many episodes. How can I forget what I asked because you? Because we, because I can't remember what the hell I had for breakfast this morning. Oh, that's not a good thing. 
Okay. Um. Anyway, continue. And I oh, saving Silverman. Saving Silverman. Saving yeah, Silverman. That, that dumpster fire. Okay. And, yeah. and 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 I'm like, okay, that's a pile of garbage, but I enjoyed it, right? Right. And I gave you Suicide Squad. Yeah. Nominated for an Oscar. Thank you, Suicide Squad. Uh, yes. Well, the makeup was lovely. Tucker, Tucker and Dale, and Ford Fairlane. And Ford Fairlane. And you were like, <laughs> <laughs> on all three of them, essentially. However, however, in my defense. If I'm allowed it. Sure. I did say that doing the episode on Ford Fairlane did make me appreciate all the hard work that Andrew Descalay had to do to create his character and keep it going. Okay. And I did say that I would be interested in watching Dice if we could find it. So Yeah, but that's not Dice. That's not Ford Fairlane. I know it's not Ford Fairlane, but... I did walk away with some appreciation. That's, that's like me. That's like me having you watch Rocky and you going, I didn't like it, but you know what? I'd like to watch Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> I would never want to watch Cobra. And I could literally say, what the fuck just happened right there? <laughs> no, but the whole point of this is trying to appreciate, learn to appreciate it. what it is the other likes I get about it. movies. So, so, it's, so not, I'm, it's not a scorecard here. Maybe, I know. Maybe but I'm, I'm in a position where I want to pick a movie that I like that I think you're going to like. Okay. But... Most of the movies that I like that I think you're going to like, we've already watched together. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling very hard. Well, you don't have to, you don't have to appease my oh. taste. It's part of it. This was, this is us expanding our, okay, worlds. Have you seen cinema? Have you seen Major Pain? I have not seen Major Pain. Well, then that's what the next movie is. Oh. Are we taking next week off for New Year's? Is I think that we're going to take next week off for New Year's. So okay. no new stuff from us next week, but it will be uh, major pain. Yep, major pain. Um, I think I think this is one you're going to enjoy. Okay, we'll see. I, I mean, Damon Wayans, baby. <laughs> I'm more partial to Damon Wayans Jr. <laughs> Ser- seriously, like he's attractive? Is that what you're trying to say to me? <laughs> don't know they both look the same <laughs> always makes you feel really good about yourself when your wife goes oh i'm more partial to this guy than i didn't this. mean and it in that ma- and, then, and, then, and, then, and then afterwards you hear a <laughs> <laughs> i didn't do that <laughs> god no, i didn't. have to i had to sit there and watch christmas vacation with you and mike last week both talking about how hot Beverly D'Angelo was. Uh, no, no, no. I never, uh, I never said yeah, that. No, I you said did. She, I said she was attractive. I said she was attractive. Uh, do you want me to pull the audio for next week? No. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know better. I like sleeping in my bed. Everybody have a wonderful Christmas and have New Year's, and please be safe. Lovely Christmas. If you do want to watch Bachelor Mother, it is available for rent on Amazon Prime, and I'd encourage you to, to see it. Or come over. We have the DVD. We can watch it together. <laughs> I said Christmas, whatever holiday that you celebrate yes, because, in uh, the next month, uh, yeah, or Han- have... Hanukkah is next week. Kwanzaa uh, is next whenever, week. Whenever, New Year's, family, funny, funny hat day, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, peace to your families and be safe and enjoy yourselves and please do not blow any of your fingers off on New Year's Eve with fireworks. Yeah, that's probably not good. Because that would suck. So if you wanted to get in touch, you can always reach out and follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, our handle on both of those channels is at Honey Watch This. We have a Facebook page as 
as well um, for Honey, You Should Watch This. Um, or you could follow me as well on Twitter at T5FF underscore Angel. And also as Marketing Angel on Instagram. Greg, where can they find you? I, I'm at GBishop72, but I never tweet anything. Yeah, you need to get back in your, to your Twitter game. I, w- I would love to have time to Twitter. I, or twaddle or tweeter or twiddle or twitter or whatever i just or whittle i i love i love it when uh, um i love it when i see people tweet and they're funny i just i just absolutely don't have the time it sucks and it makes me sad but you know it is what it is follow them anyway make them feel good yeah follow follow, follow me yeah <laughs> if so. somebody if if somebody listening to this follows me on twitter i'll be up to Two follows on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, we also encourage you to um, give us some feedback. Um, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcast. Um, I believe, does Spotify do? Nope. nope. Spotify does not. Um, also uh, on Podbean. Uh, you can also try to rate us and I think follow so. us there. So um, we are on. Uh, we are pretty much can be found anywhere you can find podcasts. So if you listen to the show um, and want to tell a friend about it, um, you can point them in any which direction: iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. You name it, we're there. And we enjoy being there, and we're going to stay there, and nothing you can do about it. Don't call it a comeback. Because we were never there to begin with. (laughs) Thank you very, very much. Thank you, and have a wonderful holiday. Merry Christmas.